Welcome to Substances. Today, we're talking again with Narissa Williams about the vote on June 8th. This vote is a snap election that Prime Minister Theresa May called for in late March. Originally, she opposed calling for this election, but now the vote can give her the opportunity to concentrate the power under her name and party as the main Brexit candidate. This vote can also be seen as something that could take some power away from May's party. However, currently, the Liberal Democrats only have 8% of the vote. We're excited to speak with Narissa again to continue the discussion. She begins with talking briefly about how attacks such as the terrorist attack that occurred in Manchester fuel stigmas that could potentially negatively impact the vote tomorrow. She then concludes with the future of England and the world at large, where she thinks it can head, and how we can create dialogue in the importance of inclusion. We hope you enjoy the show. Recently, two days ago, um, a bomb exploded in the Manchester, I believe, arena, uh, where there was a, a concert and many people um, unfortunately died and many are injured still. How do you think um, going into the next election would, this would affect the vote or the results? I think it's important to note that this also happened in, in France kind of as something that happened before a big election. And then also we see a constant theme that even though ISIS doesn't have direct ties to it, that they always claim that they did it or that the party was affiliated. And so it creates this further intensified feeling of why people can align with anti-immigration and various stigmas that go with that. So I guess the question mostly means can it help support a Brexit vote or can it help support populism? Well, um, I think it was obviously incredibly tragic what happened um, and the fact that, you know, 22 people have died and lots of them have been children and there have been, you know, at least 60 casualties. I think the biggest thing that that's done is further add instability to the situation in Britain and scare people. And yes, if you say Josephine, I think it does feed into this anti-immigration rhetoric and this fear of outsiders. Whether or not that will have an impact um, on the next election, I'm not too sure. Just before the Brexit vote, we saw um, Joe Cox, a neighbor MP, was killed. Um, and that, you know, really shocked the nation and brought about a lot of, of discussion. But I'm not sure whether it had a direct impact on the Brexit vote, it just was another factor of instability. And I would like to think that, you know, in this voting situation that people won't turn against um, foreigners even more and won't take an even stronger anti-immigration tactic, but it's still something that could definitely happen. Well, Theresa May today, um, if I remember correctly, just raised the terror alert in the UK to critical for the first time in a while. Yeah, she did. I think it's the first time in at least yeah. 10 years. This is the biggest since 2005. Yeah. So. Yeah, now there's um, soldiers on the street everywhere. So I'm, I mean, I, I'm not sure if this is the case, but I would just be concerned that like fear would play such a factor in how people vote. Or yeah. if they vote. If, if they yeah. come out and vote. That's true. Yeah. I think, well, the thing is that the 
the tides are, are changing a bit in terms of like whether people vote or not because I think people are really now starting to understand that their vote does matter and their vote does count. There was a huge upsurge in the amount of young people that voted just, I think, just a day before the voting closed, um, which was only this week. So I'd like to think that people will still go out and vote, but it is true that fear could play a much bigger role than anyone could predict. And I suppose we'll have to see, but if Brexit taught us anything, is that the election is probably very, very unpredictable. So yeah, coming from that, from lessons learned from Brexit, um, do you think after um, the Brexit vote and all this time, people had to, some time to reflect, um, to discuss uh, what kind of effects it had on them after they voted uh, uh, to Brexit, basically? What do you think... Or how do you think the upcoming vote will provide maybe a sense of unity for England, if it will? Well, I think, um, I'm not sure that it will provide a sense of unity unless the Conservatives win a landslide victory. But that sense of unity will only be within the House of Commons and not necessarily, you know, within the population as a whole. Our voting system is quite different, for example, to France's voting system. We don't directly vote for our Prime Minister. Each constituency votes for a Member of Parliament, and the party that has a majority in the Member of Parliament elects a leader to become Prime Minister. So I think what people really need to focus on is voting for a Member of Parliament that protects their interests. There's a, um, a really good site called They Vote For Me, which allows you to see what your Member of Parliament has voted on in previous House of Commons um, debates and discussions. I was very disappointed to see that my local MP voted um, against gay marriage, for example, but that can be a really useful tool. Whether there will be more unity in the United Kingdom, because of that system, I'm really, really not sure. Um, because I think there will maybe just be even more dissatisfaction among people who feel their votes, their votes don't count and their voice cannot be heard, especially when they're living in a constituency which has a majority of a certain party. And particularly thinking of Scotland, they want, they majorly voted to remain and um, they want to also remain in the European Union and soon have a referendum, which they promised in 2014, <laughs> um, where I was in Scotland as well. Um, how do you think this will affect the um, UK? Well, I think we're likely to see similar results for the SNP as we did in the 2015 election. They won an overwhelming majority of seats in Scotland. And that's had an impact on Labour because many of those of the seats that the SNP now hold used to be Labour strongholds in Scotland. Um, so it's, it's weakened that party. And yes, I believe that, that this election will show a further kind of entrenchment of the divide between Scotland and the rest of the UK. Um, and that the SNP, especially as they have a strong leader in Nicholas Sturgeon, will most likely continue to do very well in Scotland and potentially move to Scotland leaving the UK, sadly enough. 
Do you think that um, the fact that people in the UK are maybe more aware of the fact that they vote for MPs versus the US, for example, plays a role in how distant they are from voting, maybe? Because I know in the US, um, when we vote for president, people don't really think about the fact that they're not, in fact, directly voting for president. They're voting, like in England, for someone else who will then vote for them. Mm -hmm. Do you think that plays a role at all? I think it plays a role to some extent because it makes you feel like your vote doesn't count in mm -hmm. quite the same way if you're living in a constituency that has an overwhelming majority for a certain party. A bit like with Hillary Clinton winning the popular vote yeah. and not the presidency overall. I think that leads to a lot of disenfranchisement with people. It also means that smaller parties such as the Green Party and the newly founded Women's Equality Party which was set up in 2015, find it a lot harder to get their voices heard in government because, I mean, the Greens um, have an MP for Brighton, which is in general a very, very liberal place, but it's much harder for them to get their voices heard and people who support the ideas of the Greens or of the Women's Equality Party, for example, might get very frustrated because their vote will only count for a tiny, tiny proportion of their constituencies overall voting? Um, so there's interesting discussions about cities being able to apply for membership into the European Union, especially given how London voted mm -hmm. in Brexit. Um, so yeah, London would be a very plausible example. Should this be possible, what do you think this would mean in terms of British nat nationalism and also currency? First of all, I would absolutely love London to be a member of the EU on its own, but whether or not that's feasible I think is an entirely different question, because when you think about it, London still remains the capital of the United Kingdom, and the bureaucracy and the systems of London and the United Kingdom as a whole are so meshed together that it's very difficult, I think in most countries, to separate the capital from the country as a whole. Another problem with London is that our boundaries are so um, mysterious, even to Londoners, <laughs> that it would be very hard to define who counts as a London citizen um, in terms of having membership to the EU. Mm -hmm. So that would be difficult. And again, having our own currency might be quite hard because you know, London is the seat of government, also where the Queen lives most of the time, Buckingham Palace, and those things are so tied up in, in our currency and in our system that divorcing London from the rest of the UK would, would be rather challenging, I think. So right now there's also a huge sense of just nationalism that we've seen in populism. However, I think there's also a huge trend, and it's very futuristic, but the transition from nation states to global governance, like overall overarching global governance. Do you think that this could be a precursor to that as a bigger trend down the line? And do you think England can play a role in being a part of that? Well, one way of thinking about Brexit is as a kind of kickback against the, this idea of global governance, because the EU is in theory moving towards acting as one actor and of unifying countries on things like economy and potentially the military, although I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. Um, in terms of global governance, 
I think that we need to break down the idea of what sovereignty means and of countries feeling like they're in control and able to um, dictate their own foreign policy decisions before we can reach a stage where people are comfortable being ruled by a supernatural authority. I think the problem with that as well is that if you have one one leader of either the EU, one kind of president with overarching powers, or even a leader of a world government as a whole, there is nobody on a higher level than them that can hold them accountable for their decisions. And then you can get into a very dangerous and sticky situation. So those things would really have to be worked through before it could be a possibility. And on that note, what role do you think that you would want to play in maybe making that a, a more realistic version of the future? Well, I think a role that I would like to play is to kind of encourage people to have a more global outlook on life. Because a lot of the time, even when you meet someone for the first time, you define yourself by your nationality as if that was the be all and end all of who you are. And in fact, as people, I think we're a lot more about our beliefs and the way that we make connections to people and our goals and ideals. And if we see ourselves and we see the world in that way, we might be able to move towards a more global conception of the world. Um, but I know that that's quite a, quite a big ambition and that it's something to be achieved with lots and lots of people getting engaged in debate. Even though what's happening in the world is very disheartening in terms of big powers um, and their viewpoints and their ability to divide people, I have so much hope for our generation because we are such, we're like right now, we have how many countries talking like amongst each other. I think we're such a global generation and we like to travel and see the world. And I hope that once we come and start running the governments that Yay, acceptance and understanding. <laughs> I think there's been a constant push to individuals doing things, and I love that. Even though Brexit and the Donald Trump election are setbacks, there's been so many people taking on their own initiatives, and they're doing stuff. They're doing the small things to talk to people. I think mean, we just need to keep pushing for that. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know if we touched on this in a previous podcast, but kind of how, like, yeah, it's awful that these two things happen in a way, like, bad things have to happen sometimes in order for change to be forced because of those things. As the day before the election, England gets a second chance to maybe not change the full outcome but to at least influence the role that England looks to play in Europe at large, if even from a distance. This country may have the opportunity to be part of, and in many cases benefit from the programs of Europe. We hope that this podcast can inspire some last minute voters and work as a platform to inform many of us who are not from England about how their system works and what this vote really means. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like us on iTunes and if you have time, write us a review. Feel free to send us any comments or thoughts so we can feature them on our website at www.sub-dances.com. If you are interested in potentially becoming a contributor or an interviewee in the future, please feel free to email us at our email at dosageofrepartee at gmail.com. 
We hope you enjoyed the show and we're looking forward to hearing from you.